This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. I'm your host, Lydia Cruz. I'm Maura Dooley. And uh, it's our last show of January already. Like, how did how did that happen? How did February creep up on us so quickly? I have no idea. I don't know. It just happens. It happens, especially when it's stormy and rainy and I can have a good excuse for staying inside and bundling up and, you know, passes the time quickly. Yeah. Well, you're rushing anyways to try to get to pitcher and catcher's report date. I know. So. It's my favorite. I, I feel like people Maybe are going to start a little thinking. excited it's going by this <laughs> yeah. fast. You know, it's, I've had it circled around my calendar, Maura. You know me. It's such a big heart. <laughs> You've around only mentioned it a few times. It's only a few times. <laughs> people are going to start thinking I'm a true weirdo for that. Uh, well, big show today. We've got several guests. First, we're going to be talking to Brad Thomas Parsons, our friend, the James Beard award-winning author of Bitters, A Spirited History of a Classic Cure-All. It's coming up in this hour. Also, we're going to speak with Talia Kleinplatz. She has an incredible website called Two for the Bar. Uh, also, you can follow her on Instagram, Two for the Bar, if you just want to look at amazing pictures of cocktails. Now, both these both these guests have amazing stories. Brad Thomas Parsons is originally from the Seattle area, but moved away. But he has got this unique experience of having studied intricately whatever he puts his mind to. Bitters, for one, I didn't know all of the history behind bitters. And nowadays how they've turned into their own craft industry of themselves. Yeah, it's amazing. If you go to De Laurentiis and the Pike Place Market, they have an extensive collection and you just won't believe some of the flavors that they have available. I worked as a server at the Seattle Art Museum when I first moved here. I actually wasn't bartending at the time, but when we would get new bitters in, I would get so excited to see how the bartender was going to use them because they have things as crazy it's as like Chinese five spice bitters now. And it's like, ooh, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. You have some of the actual experience of how did you manage to use some of these in, in creative ways or what did what is some of the ways that you saw people ordering them when I mean well when I first moved here one of the things I was intimidated by was I worked kind of in a more of a volume kind of college type bar in Colorado yeah. so I wasn't really craft cocktails weren't really my thing yeah like, I can I can pump out shots <laughs> all day all day Jaeger bombs so, I got you covered yeah I was actually a little intimidated by the craft cocktail movement here. I, I enjoy it, but I wasn't so sure that I would be a good bartender here without some extensive studying. So I was just serving at the time, but just seeing them get creative with some of these bitters was so fun. I think I think we had a tomato one at one point that he made a BLT cocktail. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I can't, I'm trying to remember what they, the five it's probably some Bloody Mary yeah. that you could fashion up with that as well. And then we've talked about, I mean, the history of bitters originally is for medicinal purposes. And so you mentioned this to me, the old trick of somebody putting it just in soda water, right? Or maybe tonic water? Yeah, if you have an upset stomach. I mean, I don't know if it's an old wives tale, but I've had a a ton of people ask for soda water and bitters at the bar when they have an upset stomach. So we'll get to the bottom of that later in the hour with Brad Thomas Parsons. He's researched bitters extensively. Again, James Beard, again, a James Beard award-winning cookbook, Bitters, A Spirited 
Sacred History of the Classic Cure-All, so we're going to learn all about it. Also, later in the hour, we're going to talk with Talia Kleinblatt, and her story is pretty impressive. She lives up in Vancouver, and she's not even a big drinker, doesn't have a lot of experience in spirit, but she walked into a bar one day with her husband and had such an amazing customer service experience with the bartender creating a craft cocktail for her that she ended up pursuing it as an actual career, writing about spirits and craft cocktails with some encouragement from a very supportive husband. But her story is just really impressive. How does that happen? You go from like casual observer to <laughs> to writing That's an about impressive it. bartender to sway yeah. you in that way. Yeah. I Well, you have the experience of being on the other side of it. Have you ever had an experience with a bartender, though, making you something that you just you felt like, wow, this person... It goes above and beyond just simple customer service. They get me. They want me to have a great craft cocktail slash drinking experience. Yeah. The coolest experience I ever had with a bartender was actually in Rome. So he had lived in Italy during the summer when he was a child, but then he his parents, I guess, had split and he would go to Ireland oh uh, in the winter and live with his family there. And he he spoke Italian, but he had an Irish accent when he spoke English. And it was it was just fun just to listen to him. But he was just um, a master of his craft and loved entertaining the tourists. And, and he kept giving us different things to try. And you could tell he was just so passionate about what he did. And he also could do the flare bartending. He was throwing things around behind his back and pouring them at the same time. I've never seen anything like it. I would want to travel back there just to see him again. So to say, I think I feel like this guy needs to have a blog. I would follow him around. I, I think his name's Patrick Pistoletti. I think I was able to find him online at some point. I was going to say, yeah, that's even a, a great following. name. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's pretty incredible because to be a successful bartender in that respect, you have to be part entertainer, part exactly. artist, part human being slash therapist sometimes. I think bartenders are kind of underpaid underpaid therapists sometimes. So to combine all of that and to have such a great experience where Talia wanted to pursue this as a career, and she's amazing at it, by the way. You need to check out her website. It's twoforthebar.ca. She's up in Canada, but you'd be blown away by what she's managed to do. And she's also kind of spun that forward and involved a lot of bartenders in her website. She has a great section of her website where she goes to bartenders around town and sort of presents them with a little cocktail challenge, gives them the ingredients that you wouldn't normally want in a in a drink. It's kind of like a little top chef challenge. And they have to come up with a cocktail involving these unusual ingredients and they do an amazing job. Then once they're finished, they nominate the next bartender. And uh, I like that. It's been pretty popular up there with her. So we'll get to talk to her later in the hour. Find out why craft cocktails drew her in. That's such a cool story. And I know you like it because it's someone that, you know, has an education on craft cocktails, but it maybe necessarily isn't as big of a drinker, which you said you identify with. <laughs> yeah. When we started this project, I was nervous because I'm not a huge drinker. I love trying new things and sampling new things, but I'm not an everyday cocktail drinker. But I have an appreciation for the art behind it, the history behind it. A lot of times I get fascinated by. So she really inspired me because she's someone who doesn't even still think of herself as a big drinker, but has made this into a passion project. And so for a lot of people out there who might be thinking, well, I have to be an intense, I have to drink every day, I have to, you know, love making cocktails. No, you can be a casual, casual drinker like this and still be real passionate about spirits. If you look at her site, it's almost more like she's an expert in design and photography. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, some yeah. Some of these bloggers now, you really have to be really good at presenting these visually appealing photographs of your work. And it's it's amazing 
some of these websites. It's just like the bartender. You got to be part artist. You got to be part artist (laughs) when you're doing this. Well, up next on Cast Club Radio, we'll first chat with Brad Thomas Parsons, uh, the author of Bitters, A Spirited History of the Classic Cure-All. He has got a lot to teach us about it, and we're going to have fun doing it. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now we're joined by Brad Thomas Parsons, award-winning author, James Beard award-winning author of Bitters. Thanks so much for joining us, Brad. We've got a couple questions we want to pick your brain about bitters. You wrote a book about bitters, which I think is something that's kind of mysterious to a lot of people. They know that it's, uh, it's used in a lot of these newer craft cocktails and it's trendy, but I don't think a lot of people know that much about it. And it's something that's been around for a really long time, kind of started out with medicinal uses. Um, what is the history behind bitters? Um, so, yeah, so my first book, Bitters, uh, came out in 2011. And I, when I was writing it, it was, it was as more and more interest in the craft cocktail scene with this key ingredient, bitters, was, was um, on the rise. But there really wasn't a resource about what these are and how to use them. So I sought out to help demystify the topic. So essentially, bitters are an aromatic flavoring agent you put in your drinks in drops and dashes. Um, They're not meant to be consumed on their own. They come in many different flavors, but they're generally very aromatic and have a lot of kind of Christmas spices of clove and cardamom, but there's also orange and citrus and celery, and it goes on and on of this rainbow of different flavors. And when they are introduced to a drink, they're not necessarily bitter. They're more of, like I said, a flavoring agent. So they can bring balance to a cocktail. They can um, tampen down certain ingredients or heighten other ones. There's this kind of alchemy that takes place when they can unite uh, disparate ingredients or, or help bring them together. And um, it also bitters uh, are part of the original definition of the word cocktail of spirit, sugar, water, and bitters. So to me, they were never a trend or fed. They're an essential elemental part of what makes a drink a cocktail. And as you said, these were historically in the 1800s used as medicine. Uh, A lot of, you know, there's that phrase snake oil salesman you've probably heard where Mm -hmm. they would be sold for any cure that any malady you had from headaches to cramps to, to trouble breathing to digestive issues. And obviously these claims weren't all true. And a lot of reason was, you were pretty much having a sip of alcohol every day as what was making you feel better. But they went from being consumed additionally to being consumed for pleasure. And uh, there was during prohibition and other reasons, a lot of bitters fell out of favor because the bartenders who used bitters were suddenly out of jobs because of prohibition or their, their profession was illegal. And so post prohibition, there were only a couple of brands around and then in the in the mid to late 2000s, um, just as my book before my book came out, more bitters were coming to market. And now there's dozens and dozens of different flavors of bitters available. You walk into any bar, you see a, a wall of bitters, you know, a, a, on top of the bar. Um, but they're used traditionally in a lot of classic drinks like the Old Fashioned, the Manhattan, um, and and even in the Martini originally called for orange bitters in it. So. So it's a way to it's a bar. The bartenders like to call them their salt and pepper. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're a, they're like a key ingredient in a spice cabinet. Um, but there's a lot of they're very esoteric. They're interesting history, 
and kind of a fascinating story behind it. And um, like I say, I have a, I still have a hall closet full of them from all my research, and I still get into a lot of them uh, and discover new ones. But they're and they'll last you a long time, especially at home. Um, but but bartenders can go through an awful lot of them, like Angostura especially, which is used in so many different cocktails. So so that's kind of a quick overview of what they are, but they're still very popular and a big talking point among bartenders and cocktail enthusiasts alike. What is one of the best uh, innovations in bitters that you've seen? Oh, that's a great question. I think I think originally it was, you know, when we we're talking about when there was this dearth of bitters, there was Angostura, which is that clovey, Christmassy, spicy kind. There was Peychaud's, which is a New Orleans bitters, which is very anise-forward. And then there was an orange bitters, um, this kind of holy trinity of bitters that can be used in a lot of different drinks. But historically, a lot of cocktail recipe books called for other bitters like celery. And so, some, so the first wave of new-look bitters, I think it was key that – Flavors that hadn't been around in decades and decades were suddenly being reintroduced. Um, I think I, but I think there's so many bitters out there now. Instead of like, you know, I need orange bitters. There's dozens of different orange bitters, and they all have different profiles. Some may be more spicy, heavy with cardamom. Some may be very zesty and fruit forward. So having all those options, I think, is very exciting. Um, but I also think there's so many that it really goes back to what you like to drink at home. So you don't need to have every bitters under the sun, but but complementing which ones you find. But of the bitters craze, I think in terms of ones that will stick around, I think the addition of uh, uh, grapefruit bitters, mm-hmm. having another citrus yeah. option, a lot of times they add a lot of hops to it, which which is a nice and aromatic and, and bitter, um, as well as what they call uh, sort of mole bitters, these kind of, Mexican spice, savory uh, bitters. They play really well with tequila drinks. Uh, and I think having a few of those in your arsenal is a great way. So having new inventive flavors um, and quality ingredients and understanding more about it. But I think there's a, there's, there's a, I recently wrote an article about, you know, this what this bitters boom had raw. And then looking back at what are the key 10 you need, because like I say, you walk into a lot of these cocktail stores and bars, and there's dozens upon dozens. And so maybe we've gone too far with all of the new look bitters. But I think there's some essential ones that have come around in the last few years, like I mentioned, um, like the grapefruit and the mole that uh, will stand the test of time, I think. So, Brad, I know there's something in the description of your book that mentions if you get ever get a Manhattan without bitters, send it back. I know that it adds to the drink, and I know that it balances it, but I'm not sure that you can necessarily pick out that flavor. Is it is that just what it's doing for a classic Manhattan is balancing everything? I think, yeah, I, in a lot of my talks and demonstrations I've done over the years on when talking about bitters, that's it's a key demonstrate. If you make two Manhattans exactly the same, same, same bourbon, same vermouth, um, side by side, one with bitters, one without, you will notice the one without bitters is lacking. It doesn't have that oomph. It's flatter. It's not as lively. So the bitters, like I say, it's just, it's it's not magical, but there is this, um, you know, it's it's just it's bringing aromatics to it. It's uniting the bourbon or rye and vermouth in ways that they didn't do it on their own, just being stirred together. Um, it really complements the drink. But like I say, you're never gonna say like, oh yes, I get that. Even if you're using <laughs> a flavored bitters, you're never gonna say, oh, I'm getting that orange bitters or I'm getting that that pear bitters. Um, but 
you're getting this. It's it's like it's like it's like a tasting a food dish lacking salt. You know, is, is a great example of that. So if a soup, it's some, you're trying a soup without salt and then adding the salt, <laughs> you know the difference. Um, you may not be able to pick it out right away, but the more like bartenders can, just like a chef can, but as a as a consumer or as a guest, um, you know, you might drink a Manhattan without bitters and say like, oh, that's it's 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 fine, but taste it with bitters, and it's excellent. It kind of reminds me. Is that does it, it reminds we we do sports a lot of the time in our Monday through Friday mm-hmm. day jobs, and it reminds me kind of of being that utility guy that that isn't maybe always the star of the team or getting the headlines, <laughs> and yet you don't notice, but their contributions Six mean man. so much exactly <laughs> to the team. Oh yeah. Um, the sixth man of cocktails. Yes. Yeah, I, I like that yeah. <laughs> example. Absolutely, they say they should be in your starting lineup, but like not every drink needs bitter. So yeah, I like the six man analogy, especially a utility player. So yeah, I'll 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 sign up for that. I'll sign on for that for I sure. A, a um, quick... But yeah, that is, it totally is. You don't you know when it's not there, but you shouldn't really. It shouldn't be uh, making itself known or or showboating, so to speak. Well, thank you to our friend Brad Thomas Parsons for taking some time to talk about bitters. The sixth man of cocktails. I just love that. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, can you imagine being just a casual fan of cocktails, but then, I don't know, starting a blog about it? We talked to the author of Two for the Bar, an amazing website, how she got started. It's a pretty cool story. It involves walking into a bar. No, it's not a joke. Walking into a bar and having one great experience with a bartender. Hear the incredible story, plus a few recipes to make for upcoming holidays. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. I am so excited about this next guest, Talia Kleinplatz, taking time to join us out of her busy schedule. She is the author of Two for the Bar. Two for the Bar is a beautiful website. Everybody needs to go visit it. How did this thing get <laughs> started? You so you've been doing, you've been working hard on it since 2013? Yeah, in some incarnations since 2013. It's kind of gone through a couple of iterations. It started on... Um, I don't know, some random web page, and then it went to a Tumblr, and then it, as as most blogs do, they go through an evolution. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, mine started uh, shortly after I moved to Vancouver and found it uh, a difficult place to settle into. Um, and I was having a hard time kind of finding my own community in the city and finding uh, people that I really connected with. Yeah. Um, and so a, a happenstance evening at a at a really excellent cocktail bar in the city got me really interested in cocktails and spirits. And um, uh, my my husband had just kind of said, you know what, you seem to be like really into this. Why don't you start <laughs> writing about it a little bit? And I was like, I don't know anything about cocktails and spirits. How am I going to write about it? And um, he just really kind of pushed me in that direction and and it took off from there. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty amazing husband that you got there. Pretty good partner. He's great. He's, <laughs> he puts the two and two for the bar. <laughs> yes. That's a lot of, of what makes cocktails, beer, wine, spirits so special, I guess, is the social experience of them. But what was it about this bar or this place or any drink that you specifically had that sort of made you start this journey of cocktail discovery? Yeah, so um, I I actually was never a big drinker before that night. I'm still not a big drinker. Um, and me and my husband had actually walked into this. It's actually a restaurant that happens to have a really excellent cocktail program. Um, and it was our first time there. 
And we actually went in on a quiet Sunday night to discuss how we were going to leave Vancouver because I was so dead set on not living here anymore. And um, we sat down at the bar and we didn't know that our bartender was actually uh, like an international award-winning bartender um, (laughs) who had just come back from winning uh, World's Most Imaginative through um, Bombay Sapphire. So we sat down at his bar. We had no idea who he was. We had no idea that he was someone really quite magical and special in the cocktail world. And um, he made me uh, a riff on a Pim's Cup, uh, and he made my husband a, a more boozy, dark, stirred cocktail called a Vieux Carré. And neither of us had tasted anything like it. And the lovely thing about David, who was our bartender, is he loved people like us who were just novices who he could really kind of teach something to. He just wanted to share his knowledge. And so when he saw that we were like a very willing audience and super interested in what he was doing, he just kind of started talking to us more about what he was making and how he was making it and the stories behind the drinks he was making and letting us taste bitters and letting us taste like little tiny samplers of different spirits. And so it was really a very personal approach that he took and very attentive approach that he took. And we were just, we were just sold hook, line and sinker. We were just completely blown away. And, and it was like a, a true experience of hospitality in, in the most kind of, yeah, the truest, purest form of hospitality that I can possibly describe. So, I mean, two questions. Are you still in Vancouver now? And is this one of your favorite spots to go to still? Because yeah, it sounds like an incredible experience. Um, yes, I am still in Vancouver, um, and it, it's actually we. I haven't been there in a really long time. Um, so the my the bartender who worked there actually moved on uh, to a different gig, and um, it just because the bar for me was so associated with with him and him mm-hmm. being there. Yeah. Um, I ended up, you know, chasing him to wherever he went instead of keeping going to the bar where he wasn't anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's understandable. But it's pretty amazing how knowing he's out there and that he's inspiring people out there to pursue whatever it is. I mean, he inspired in a certain way this blog. And now, in turn, it's kind of you are paying it forward because I'm sure there's many people who are reading your blog who might be novices. Because I admit, I don't know that much about beer, wine, and spirits. And this has been a great learning experience for me. But what the scenario just described, the scene you set... Uh, was, yeah, I was like, wow, I, I want to go to this place. I want to be a part of this. Absolutely. And I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head that like starting that blog was really born out of my experiences sitting at bars with really good bartenders and wanting to inspire people to feel like they could go and do that too. Or if they were living somewhere that didn't have bars with like excellent cocktail programs that like maybe they could experience little tastes of it through the storytelling or through trying to start making drinks for themselves at home and making something that's a lot more approachable and exciting rather than feeling like it's um, like stuffy or intimidating or any of those things. Like I think that there's so much to be said for sitting at a bar and sharing a cocktail with people around you that really makes for a really approachable and exciting experience. Absolutely. Speaking of those, mm-hmm. of that social aspect and it being a new year, maybe people are getting ready to party plan or have people over. Valentine's Day is creeping up on us. What are some good uh, cocktails that people for this time of year that people could make either for entertaining purposes, whether it's for a group or just, you know, maybe they just want to make a, a nice cocktail for themselves after work? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think people tend to gravitate towards um, darker, 
booze-forward stirred cocktails um, during the winter just because they, they inspire a little bit more heat rather than um, maybe the more effervescent, light, um, citrus-forward sweet cocktails that people tend to drink more uh, in the summer. But truth be told, you can drink whatever you want whenever you want. That's the fun of being able to make cocktails at home is like whatever you're in the mood for, you can do it. Um, I tend to gravitate more towards making old fashions at home um, and Manhattan during the winter. Um, Just again, those kind of dark, boozy, spicy notes are are really what I'm into at this time of year. Um, Negronis are kind of a full year drink all the time. Again, they're, they're stirred, but they just kind of, they have a place, they're ubiquitous the entire year round. You can drink them anytime. Um, and then for entertaining, I mean, if you're, if you don't want to be standing behind a bar or in your kitchen all night juicing and, and, um, stirring things and you actually want to be able to socialize, sometimes it's nice to batch things. So like making a really simple punch, um, can be a really great way to have people over and you can impress them with what you're serving, but not feel like you're constantly standing in the kitchen away from your guests having to shake and stir drinks all night. You don't have to be the flair bartender while while you're at home. Exactly. Exactly. What is one of maybe a mistake that, maybe not, we don't even have to call it a mistake, but maybe something that people get commonly wrong with cocktails or an approach that they're doing, making it more difficult for themselves Something that maybe would help them enjoy the craft cocktails process more than they do right now. Mm-hmm. I think that for people that are looking to do it at home, sometimes it feels like a daunting task that you have to have everything, mm-hmm. that you have to buy everything. You have mm-hmm. to have like every kind of selection of spirits, every kind of selection of bitters and vermouths and modifiers and all of that. And I think that if, if, like people can just scale back and be like, you know what, I'm going to build this really slowly and I'm going to start by getting like a decent bottle of gin, a decent bottle of bourbon, um, a decent bottle of rum, whatever, whatever is kind of um, speaks to them in terms of cocktails and really start just from the basics and not worrying about having to have every single bottle or every single tool or the perfect mixing glass or the perfect spoon or the perfect jigger, like none of that actually matters. And you can make really great drinks at home without having all of that. So if you just, if you go to a bar and you really like an old fashioned and you want to try and make it at home, just pick up a bottle of bourbon and bitters and start there. And you can do everything really slowly and it'll make the process um, almost more enjoyable because you can do it over a slow period of time rather than having to sink, you know, hundreds of dollars into building this thing right off the bat. And then you're stressed about finances because you're trying to build a bar at home. Well, I was going to ask you, what is bar carts seem to be so trendy right now and building a bar cart Mm -hmm. can be kind of a daunting task. But you mentioned just getting some simple bottles of good alcohol to start the basic foundation, what are maybe some other little things that people could add that would really spice up their bar cart? I mean, if you're if you're starting to look to invest, um, you know, getting a really nice mixing glass is a beautiful addition to have at home. Um, I I have one. I mean, I think I maybe spent sixty dollars on it. It's nothing crazy, but I really like mixing in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like having a good bar spoon. Um, it just makes it mixing easier. But honestly, I go to friends' houses where all I do is I mix their drinks in a pint glass with um, a chopstick. And it works just as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like, I, I always caution people about feeling like they need to sink a lot of money into this in order to start just kind of being a hobby bartender at home because it's so simple to do it with really few things. 
But again, like get your basic bitters, get a bottle of Angostura, get a bottle of Peychaud, get yourself a good jigger so you can measure properly. And I think if you if you have those things, if you have like um, citrus on hand all the time, just some some lemons, limes, and some orange in your house all the time, that's great. Um, you know, you can always do that by hand if you want to get a little hand citrus press. That'll step up your game, yeah. so it makes it easier. And always have simple syrup, yeah, on hand. Um, so it's more so to me just about having like really quality ingredients. Um, just that'll make it easier for you to do these things on a whim rather than actually adding a bunch of equipment that's gonna it'll look really pretty and it makes kind of the process of making a drink more fun but you by no means need it in order to do what you want to do at home I like that start small you can grow over time you know then it's not as daunting absolutely Thank you so much to our friend up north in Vancouver, Talia Kleinplatz, for taking the time to chat with us about our beautiful website, Two for the Bar. Everybody go check it out, www.twofforthebar.ca. You can get some great recipes. You'll get lost in the gorgeous photos, too, I'm telling you. Up next on Cast Club Radio, we hear from our friend Distiller Dane. He's got a brand new top five to share with us, which includes some great activities for this weekend. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Right now, we're joined by one of our favorite people, Distiller Dane. What's up? Not too much. How are you guys doing? Good. We've missed you. We haven't had a top five in a while, so we got to know what's going it's, on. It's been a little while. I'm actually uh, out at our Roslyn location hanging out right now. The snow is falling. It looks pretty good out here. Oh, nice. Making lots of product? Making lots of product. All right. That's good. That's good. All right. So, folks who are new to this, this is uh, our head distiller, Dane, and this is his top five items of the week. Yeah. Go. All right. My number one of this week is Roslyn Focus since I'm in the area right now. But I just went down the street and had lunch at the Roslyn Cafe. And this place is amazing. On their menu, they also have some chilaquiles, which I would definitely recommend getting. I've had the chilaquiles there. The eggs on top are awesome. And uh, green verde sauce is what you need to cover it up. It's it's perfectly sized, the proportions. All right. Number two. All right. Number two is one of my favorite breweries in the state right now. Just the other weekend, they had their third year anniversary. They're called Holy Mountain, and they're down at the very end of Mercer on Elliott near the train tracks. They released a bunch of special releases uh, for over two days, so some of their kegs were tapping out in 25 minutes. Um, but it was spent a couple hours there, I guess you could say, and they were putting out lots of good stuff that day. Wow. Was it packed? Was it? Did you have to wait in any lines? It was packed all day, but the lines to get beer wasn't too bad and no long bathroom lines, so they, they, kept, <laughs> they kept the beer flowing pretty well. Good. That's Holy Mountain Brewing? Oh, yeah. All right. Good. Holy Mountain. All right. Number three. Number three. I'm a, I'm a sucker for ice cream. It's one of my favorite treats, uh, but people neglect custard a lot. And there's a shop up in Capitol Hill in Seattle, and it's called Old School Frozen Custard. And they usually have like a regular vanilla and chocolate and then a couple of seasonal flavors at the time. But if you've never had custard ice cream, you got to go to this place and check it out. What, why does it? Have. Yeah. Why does it get neglected? Why do you think that is, Jane? I don't know. There's not a lot of shops that make it. There's usually one here and there. I've been to a few, but uh, there's also, I guess, the difference between custard and ice cream is they use egg, egg yolks in it too, which technically makes it a little more healthier too, so you can indulge a little more. Custard's big in the upper Midwest. The phrase you chose that people neglect the custard makes it sound like some kind of abuse situation going on, <laughs> as opposed to they just forget that custard is a good option at times. Yes. So we don't want to advocate abusing custard no. on this show. <laughs> nope. That's not the goal we have. 
So don't, don't abuse the custard. All right, number four. <laughs> uh, number four, there's a new W Hotel that just opened up in Bellevue not too long ago. Uh, if you head down to the very bottom of the stairs inside, there's actually a speakeasy down there, and it's called Civility and Unrest. And this last weekend, I just went there and checked it out, and it's a pretty awesome place. So it's a huge round bar separated into two rooms. They have a bar on each side. Um, they're making some killer cocktails. They also have a tattoo artist that hangs out there. So if you imbibe a little too much and feel like getting some ink, they will help you out there. Yeah, that's Wait. always a good combination. Yeah. Is this like, like unauthorized? <laughs> like just a guy that hangs out in your is this through the actual? I, I, think, I think he's authorized. I haven't fully gotten <laughs> well, that part so. out yet, but yeah. I can let you know on the next top five. You see yeah. those, uh, those, those memes of tattoos gone bad? <laughs> bad choices? Yeah. I can imagine. Dane, are we going to see you with a tattoo next time? A new one? Uh, I don't think so, okay. but we'll see. <laughs> All right, Lane, last on your top five. Last on my top five, it has to be the Marymore Dog Park over in Redmond. Uh, this is the largest off-leash dog park in the state, and it is absolutely insane. Every time you go there, there is hundreds and hundreds of dogs there. There's like a river that runs through the middle with different spots your dog can jump in, and it's just massive overall. All right. Cool. Well, I've never been to that dog park. I don't frequent dog parks. I don't have a dog. Uh, Tell everyone your dog's name again. Uh, his name is Hegel. And what kind of dog is he? He is a German wire-haired pointer and the official slash unofficial distillery dog. He was on the cover of Distillery Dog magazine this year. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And that magazine also was banned in uh, the New Jersey prison system. (laughs) 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 So, Dane, okay, we got your top five. We also got to talk about this pretty cool giveaway that you guys are doing. You're partnering up. Fly away. How do people... A, what is the contest? How do people sign up, get involved? Uh, There's actually two parts of the contest. There's uh, the fly away. Uh, where we actually fly you and a friend um, from Seattle Airport to Portland. And then you get some transportation, vouchers for food, get to go to the game. Um, And then we're doing a suite giveaway as well for a person and a few of their friends to go to a suite with some of the special amenities as well. Um, To enter the contest, all you got to do is create and upload a video uh, to Vimeo to show your favorite thing about Heritage and why you love Heritage. And then we're going to pick some of our favorite videos and some winners for the contest. Pretty simple. Yeah, I should have mentioned this is with the partnering for the Trailblazers. Yeah, with the Portland Trailblazers, this is for the game on March 3rd against the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, otherwise known as uh, the former Sonics. Yeah. And the flyaway is for two people. That's contest number two. Contest number one is Sweet Night. So it's you wow. and seven friends. Woo! Get down there, and then we've got the whole suite for the for the game for you and food and, drinks and that kind of stuff. And one of the cool things about about the Trailblazers is a lot of their food and beverages, it's all local. It's all right? local. And and I was very impressed by that when I went. Yeah, and the Moda Center is a beautiful facility, and they do lots of concerts there and, of course, the basketball games. And uh, they put on a great show, very active, uh, crowds into it. And the contest ends February 16th. So you don't have that many days left to create your video and go upload it. Yeah, that's perfect. And you get all of that for just uploading a video telling you, tell, talking about something that you love already, right? No purchase necessary to win. All right, Dane, thanks for your top five. Back to work. All right, thank you. Thanks, Dane. So before we get out of here, you guys have something pretty amazing going on. Yeah, you have we, to tell us about. we announced uh, last week a partnership uh, sponsorship with Evergreen Speedway and uh, north of Everett, uh, the northern spoke uh, Seattle region, and uh, it will cover all the races this year at the Speedway. They've been growing that brand and growing the number of events that are happening. They also are hosting the uh, fair up there this fall, and for the first time in the 110 history, 110 year history of the fair, they're going to have beer, wine, and spirits there. So we'll be part of that. Wow, and yeah, it's a big deal. And, and uh, there's going to be a hair 
Heritage Distilling Company race car as part of this thing. What? So so cool. Yeah, it's it's we're excited about it, and uh, it's just another way for us to get in the community, uh, get the brand out there, and uh, get in front of new customers. So we're very excited, and we're honored that they approached us about that. Do you get to ride in the car? Uh, we've been told we got to do some ride-alongs. We got to go out and wave the uh, flag for oh, one of the races, okay. and uh, yeah, there's, there's some of the cool surprises that'll be happening. Yeah. I don't know that I fit in the window. Uh, the way the, the smaller drivers do. So we'll see. It's like Duke's a hazard style. Yeah. Right? The, oh, the doors are all welded so shut. I, that's one live sporting event I've never been to. I want to come check that out. It's very loud. Yeah. Yeah. See that. Yeah. But we're looking forward to it. We're very excited. And uh, of course, um, we just are honored that they want to work with us. So cool. Yeah. Well, as always, you can follow along with the show, catch up on any past m- missed episodes. You can just go to heritagedistilling.com. There's a link on the front page. You can go to My Northwest, uh, Cairo Radio. Check out the podcast tab. Uh, we're under there on under Cast Club Radio. You can yep. download them, catch up. Go to Facebook, check us out at Cast Club Radio. Like us, follow us, share, post your questions, post some pictures, post some videos. Don't forget the fan fly away and the sweet night contest we have going on for the Portland Trailblazers game March 3rd. Those entries are due by February 16th. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling, part of Cairo Weekends on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM.